All of our uh, friends who were just baptized wanted me to be sure to mention a thank you specifically to Dick and Mary Gensler for inviting them and welcoming them here to this church. And uh, I know they probably don't really want to be noticed, but uh, uh, that type of uh, care and outreach is important to us. So it's a good example for us all. So thanks, Dick and Mary. Hey, we're continuing our uh, study in Hebrews, and we're going to dismiss the boys and girls for Children's Church, uh, Kids' Church right now, so you can head on out. Today, uh, we're going to start actually chapter 2 of Hebrews, and um, talking about make sure you listen, uh, because this passage is talking about what's important, and uh, you've heard some of that already in the testimonies, but uh, how are you at listening? How does your husband, wife, boss, co-worker, friend say you are at listening? <laughs> that probably is more the accurate, isn't it? Uh, listening's a challenge. Um, I'm always uh, amused and impressed, I guess I would say, when um, our kids bring their kids to our house, and one of the last things they say to them is, be a good listener. Yeah, we're always happy to hear that as grandparents, you know. Kind of makes things go a little easier. It's a good thing. So we appreciate that. Being a good listener is so important in all of life, uh, particularly if we want to really go the right direction. <laughs> people that are going their own way are usually people that haven't listened, uh, haven't really paid attention to what matters. And so this is such an important piece. I must tell you, and my wife would probably quickly tell you, that I have to work hard at being a good listener. I, I, my mind races. I, I find myself uh, often thinking about what I need to say next or how I'm going to answer the question or, or I'm thinking about the Phillies, which are losing, or, uh, you know, stuff like that, you know, and it gets in the way. But, uh, <laughs> but you know... I can and you can be a good listener. We have in the Lord the ability to control our minds. Do you know that? We really do. Uh, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. <laughs> so really, God's Spirit enables us to be able to control ourselves, to be able to take note of what we need to do, particularly when it comes to listening, and to tell ourselves to do it. Now, that doesn't mean that once I do that, I'm good at it for the rest of my life. I think the whole issue of the fruit of the Spirit and the Spirit working in our life is, a once, is one of constant submission. It's one of constant realization of the need that I have to let Him guide my life and take over. But listening is such an important part of the whole Christian life. When it comes to caring for people, when it comes to hearing truth and responding, when it comes to having an ear for what God is saying. Um, and, and what we listen to certainly is, is important. You know, the, the uh, computer idea, garbage in, garbage out, you know, we certainly can do that in our heads too. 
And so we have to be careful to what we listen to. Um, if I listen to words of condemnation, I'll find myself wrestling with negative thoughts. If I listen to words of encouragement and guidance, I will be led in positive ways. The author of Hebrews encourages the readers of this letter in this second chapter to listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard. And there goes the Bible. Okay. It's going to be on the screen anyway, so okay. There you go. So let's listen to the words of verses 1 to 9 of Hebrews chapter 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of obedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. And furthermore, it is not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. For in one place the scriptures say, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Or a son of man that you should care for him? You made them only a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. What we do see is Jesus, who was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. So we start this chapter really with a warning. I told you last week that Hebrews is a, a book that uh, is full of encouragement in our faith, but it's certainly full of warning as well. And so the warning here, as we see, we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard. Now, the first chapter, which we finished up last week, of course, talks about who Jesus is and the supremacy of the Son over all things, that He is God, not man. He is God, not angels, all right? He is the creator of all. He is the sustainer of all. He is the Savior. He is all in all. And so pointing to Jesus and keeping our focus on him, it then moves so. Therefore, okay, because Jesus is everything, because he's the one we need to really listen to, it says we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard. Or we may drift away from it. Hmm. That's an interesting word. The word drift away there really is kind of one in a nautical sense. All right, you ever been uh, drifting in a boat? Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's just a small boat in a small piece of water. Uh, drifting in another boat out in the middle of the ocean would be very dangerous. And certainly if you've ever uh, drifted, 
uh, in a boat, you know that it just takes maybe a little bit of wind or just a little push and suddenly you're moving. And if you're not moving in the direction that you really want to go, it doesn't take long before you're quite a ways from where you want it to be. And, and it's gradual, right? You can be sitting in this drifting boat and everything seems comfortable, the weather's good, and before you know it, you're over here against the, the bank and all the mosquitoes are eating you up. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take much to drift. Well, that's the word here. <laughs> that's the concept. And it doesn't take much to drift. We need to be careful that we don't drift. You know, we're celebrating 100 years here at Community. Um, have there been times when this church maybe had some times where they had to refocus and make sure we weren't drifting? Sure, I'm sure that's true. Uh, but thank God, our 100-year history really has been a church that has been determined to listen, <laughs> to listen to God's Word. To, to follow God in what he says and not be led astray or pushed off course by culture or uh, thinking that's against what God's word says. That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Have we done it perfectly? No. <laughs> we're not perfect. But we're still here. And we're still about the right thing. And uh, I thank God for that. But we don't want to get... Uh, feeling too good about ourselves either. <laughs> it's not a point where we say, oh, we've got it, and we're just going to drift where we are. Well, that's dangerous, isn't it? You know, what keeps us where we are is staying true to what God says. And that determined by listening to his word, to listening to what he said. And that's what the writer says here. We must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. You know, just knowing the right way, uh, just reading about the right way, or sometimes even hearing it doesn't mean we're really listening to it. You know you can hear something and not really listen to it? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, happens at my house sometimes, and I'm the one who's not listening. All right. Something else is distracting me. Happens to all of us. I mean, I can hear all kind of things go through my head, but do I really stop and listen and take account of it? So the listening the author is writing about is listening that results in action, and it's action in the right direction. So we need to listen to the right message. We're told here that this message is truth from God, and he goes on to say the message God has given has deli was delivered through angels, has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. This message is truth from God, and he's made sure that his message has been made clear to us through the angels. It's always stood firm. Uh, the law was given to Moses on Mount Sinai by an angel. Okay, It is God's law. And it cannot be ignored without consequences. Galatians 3.19 tells us why the law was given. It says, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. The people of Israel had the law 
directly from God. They were privileged to know God and his law, but they really didn't do a good job of listening. (laughs) They really didn't follow what they had been told, and they ended up drifting away. And as we see here in the writing by the author of Hebrews, they, they experienced what we read here. They drifted away, and as a result, every act of disobedience was punished. Right? Look at the history. Forty years in the wilderness. I've always thought about uh, Moses and Joshua and Caleb, who were the guys that said, let's trust God and go into the promised land. And the rest of them said no. And so those three guys who were faithful ended up wandering with the rest of them for 40 years. That had to be kind of frustrating. But God had them there to get the rest of them back on track, too. But they, they suffered consequences to their not listening to the truth. They certainly even later on, as uh, the people of God, the people of Israel, didn't follow God's ways, they ended up in exile, losing their land that had been promised and being taken into other places, pagan nations, Babylon being one. So hearing and having the truth doesn't automatically result in listening in a way that leads to the actions that are desired. Yes, it's a warning, a great warning to us. But following God's ways is the way not to punishment, not to the promise of that for disobedience, but a way to blessing and to know the richness of God. Moses in Deuteronomy stood between the two mountains, and he said to the people, if you follow the way of the Lord, it's this mountain, the mountain of blessings. If you don't follow the way of the Lord, it's this this, uh, mountain, the mountain that is punishment as a result of disobedience. We have throughout the Old Testament those who said, even as Joshua declared, you know, you decide who you're going to follow, but it's for me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord. So we still have that decision to make, don't we? It may look like those who disobey God are doing okay, not listening. Sometimes we think, oh, well, man, Lord, you say you punish people, but look, they're just doing all right. Well, hey, there is the promise of judgment to all. At some point in time, it will come. And so that truth leads us to verse 3, where we read, So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? We need to be aware that there is no escape. Even though it might look like somebody's getting away with something, (laughs) That never is the case. The author here gives this rhetorical question. What makes us think? Well, the fact is we cannot escape the judgment and punishment if we ignore God's way of salvation. His awesome salvation provided to us in the Lord Jesus. If we ignore this great salvation that was announced by the Lord Jesus himself and has been delivered to us by those who heard him speak, You've heard that message. You heard five people today talk about hearing that message and them responding to that message and them knowing the wonder of the great salvation that has been given. 
and there is no escape from eternal punishment without knowing Jesus. He is the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Very sobering. Very sobering verse, a very sobering truth, but one that we need to take seriously. We cannot escape the judgment and punishment if we ignore salvation in Jesus Christ. If the Jews did not escape God's punishment by disobedience, now that there is salvation provided, if we ignore it, the same result will take place eternally. As Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Our ways lead to death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we ignore God's salvation, there is death. If we receive the gift, we have eternal life. This is the wonderful message of the gospel. Jesus brought us this wonderful message, and others who receive it from him continue to share, excuse me, to share it. And then also we see here that God has confirmed this message in many ways. Verse 4. God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. God has confirmed the truth of the gospel through these signs and wonders. Certainly we saw it when Jesus walked this earth. He performed amazing miracles. He showed that he was God. He did what no one else could do. But we also see it in the early church, don't we? We, we see it among the apostles um, as they were declaring the gospel and God enabled them at that point in time to be able to show miraculous signs that pointed to the gospel. Now, they did not have the written New Testament at that time. <laughs> okay, that's one of the factors that was there. Um, it certainly was brand new information. And you notice what it says at the end of this verse it says that these gifts, these signs, these miracles of the Holy Spirit, God confirmed whenever He chose. That's really the belief of us as a church here. When it comes to sign gifts, okay, God uses sign gifts to confirm the gospel. All right? When, as we've seen it throughout history, when there are times where the gospel hasn't been there. And we really believe that God can still do that, okay, by the way. We don't promote that you're a better Christian if you have some sign gift, and we don't ask you to have that, okay? We don't believe that's the way. As a matter of fact, I was just reading this morning in 1 Corinthians 12, and Paul was talking about spiritual gifts, and that God gives them for his purposes and, and <coughs> excuse me, in order to build up his church, and we all have spiritual gifts, okay? But he also says, let me show you a better way before you get all caught up in this idea that I have this special gift. And of course, that leads us to 1 Corinthians 13, where he talks about love is the key. So we need to trust God when it comes to him giving gifts, right? And we need to be careful that we're not encouraging people that, oh, you're not really a Christian if you don't have this gift, for one thing. And secondly, we would believe that it is more of the exception in our church setting today for there to be sign gifts active. But we also believe that sign gifts can be active if God chooses 
Particularly, we've seen it in mission field situations where we've seen the gospel go in and there hasn't been a testimony before that. But it's up to the Lord. But certainly he has confirmed it. And you know what? We do see the miraculous signs and wonders that were performed as we read the Word of God. We still see them, don't we? You might not see somebody next to you doing that, but you see what God has done, and he's recorded it in his Word, and we believe it, and we trust him, and it's been confirmed by him. Amen. So God confirms his message. And, and you know he confirms it in our hearts, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but when I hear those testimonies, like this morning, that's a confirmation from God to me. And I really believe that's how he's at work. He's at work through his people. He's at work that we do hear his message. Matter of fact, that's what the Hebrew writer says, right? The message is being given by those who heard it from Jesus. And so we've heard it from those who heard it from Jesus. And now we're telling others, and they hear it from us who have heard it from those who have heard it from Jesus. And it just keeps on going. That's God's plan. Now, I want to spend some time thinking about this word that's given here to us in this passage of such great salvation. In verse 5, the author continues to speak about angels and the comparison of Jesus with them. That's what he had spent, excuse me, most of chapter 1 on. And he says that angels will not control the future world. All right, verse 5. It is not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. And he goes on to then quote from Psalm 8, verses 4 to 6, to clarify this truth. And that passage is talking about God's plan for mankind. Okay? It's a great verse. It's an amazing verse when you read it as a follower of God. To realize that he, in his plan, has given us and plans to give us, those who follow him, authority over his creation. Now notice also the author says that really hasn't come to be yet. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I know. I have a dog and I say you should do this and he goes and does whatever he wants. I don't have all authority over everything. Yeah, okay. All right. Some people act like they think they have authority over everything, but we, we don't have it yet. But read what the uh, author here quotes. He says, as he quotes Psalm 8, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? What a thought. Why should God think about us? But he does. See, that's the rhetorical thought here. God does think about us. Or, the son of, or a son of man. Okay, this isn't talking about the son of man. Or a son of man that you should care for him. Have you ever thought about that? Why should God care for me? Why should he think of me individually? There's so many people he's got. I've heard people say, well, God's got so many other things he needs to be concerned about. Well, he loves you. He cares specifically about you. He knows every person he's created. He knows everything about you. And he loves you. And he thinks about you. Wow. Matter of fact, one of the Psalms says that his thoughts toward us are as many as the Grains of sand on the seashore. That's a lot of thoughts. God loves you. God loves me. God loves us. And he says this is true. You made them only a little lower than the angels. Okay, we're not angels. We're not going to be angels either, by the way. People say, oh, you know, my loved one died and now they're an angel. No, they're not. <laughs> we're, we're still created human beings made by God for eternity, 
all right, but for a special relationship with him that even the angels can't have. By the way, we're going to sing the song of salvation. The angels won't sing that song, all right? They, they don't know the glory of the wonder of being saved and redeemed from our sins. We do. Those angels that followed Satan, one-third falling from heaven, they're not going to be redeemed. They're facing and heading toward the lake of fire. That will happen. Ryan talked about it as he talked about Revelation at the end there. It makes that very clear. It's an eternal punishment. It's coming. But for those who are human beings, God's determination and desire has never been that we would be destroyed. But he also gives us a choice. <laughs> right? That's the warning here in this passage. <laughs> be careful. You can't escape. If you ignore such great salvation, you are in peril. It's a warning. It's serious. It was never meant to be. Because God's desire, as we read in Psalm here, 8, is that those he has made a little lower than the angels, he's crowned with glory and honor and has given authority over all things. And as the author says, that really means all things. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. When's that going to happen? When Jesus returns. We will be in authority over all things in this earth by the name of Jesus and by his leadership. And we're not going to be greater than Jesus. He's Lord of all. But we will be given the full authority that God intended from the beginning. This earth will be new. <laughs> all of the struggles that we've had, the sin issues, all of the details that we wrestle with will be gone. Oh, we look forward to that day, don't we? <laughs> But the psalm points to the significance of mankind here in God's plan. The psalmist is amazed at this, and so are we as we read it. But it leads to the next statements here about Jesus, the provider of this great salvation. You see, in order for us to take this special place of the authority that God intends, we need to know the rest of the plan. And God's plan is that Jesus became man and suffered death for us. He was given a position just like ours, okay? That's what the author says here. What we do see is Jesus who was given a position a little lower than the angels. In other words, Jesus became a human, became a man. He took on flesh. He left heaven's glory. He, he became one of us. He became one who was a little lower than the angels. Now, eternally, <laughs> That's not true. Eternally, Jesus is Lord. We've already talked about that. We've already read about that as we read the first chapter. But Jesus, for a period of time, about 33 years, came and walked this earth. He was born like you and I are born, except he was born perfect, all right? Born of the Virgin Mary. He, he, he grew, we're told in uh, just one section there about his young life, but he grew up and, and he grew in the way we do, physically and spiritually and mentally. And then he began his ministry for three years. And during that time, he showed that he was God and uh, invited everybody to believe in him, sharing the gospel, particularly with the 12 who would then take it forward, except for Judas, of course, who betrayed him. 
and then he died on the cross. He suffered death for us. That's the key word, right? He didn't suffer death for himself. He didn't need that. He gave up himself because we desperately needed it. Isaiah prophesied about his suffering for us in Isaiah 53, 4. It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jesus died for us. He suffered and died, tasted death for everyone. He fulfilled God's plan. And the words here are not adequate, but it is so great a salvation. Because of his obedience, Jesus is now crowned with glory and honor, and he is to be praised. He's the reason that we gather here today. He's the reason that the people have testified this morning and were baptized. They shared that they have found salvation in Jesus, who suffered and died for their sins. And this salvation is available to all who will believe. It's essential for eternal life and forgiveness. And if we ignore it, we will not escape future judgment. And we will die in our sins and face eternal punishment in hell. But Jesus, but Jesus has become like us so that he could do for us what we could not do for ourselves, so that he could live the life we can't live on our own, the perfect life, so that he could die the death that we deserve, so that we can live abundantly now and eternally. One of the most famous scriptures in the Bible is John 3.16, probably the, the most known verse in the New Testament. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So what makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was announced by Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. But what makes us think? What makes people think they can escape the punishment of God? What makes people think that if they do it their way, that it'll still be okay? That's kind of true in our culture, isn't it? I hear people talking all the time. I mean, somebody dies. Oh, they went to heaven. How do you know that? I mean, I hope, I mean, I hope everybody really knows the Lord, but I also know what the Bible says, that the only way, you can't escape without the salvation God provides. What makes it that we don't, as a culture, as people, as mankind, don't listen? Well, I think it's three things. Pride. I don't really want God to be in charge. I'm going to live my own life however I want to. And you know, at the end of the day, God says, okay, 
You can do that. I was with C.S. Lewis Institute yesterday, and we were reading some of his quotes. And one of the things that he said is, at the end of time, um, he says, there's only two kind of people at the end of it all. Those who say, God, your will be done. Or those whom God says to, your will be done. Really, that's it. We have a choice. Lord, your will be done. Or God saying, your will be done. No one will be without excuse. Pride, certainly unbelief, fits all that as well. And rebellion against God, they're all tied together. Dear friends, don't ignore what you've heard. And I believe this word, as we said earlier, as we started this book, is written to Christians in Rome, probably Messianic, Jewish people that believe in Jesus. They know that knew the truth, but notice the warning is to them. <laughs> we read it as a church today, those who are gathered just like those were gathered in Rome, and we receive the same warning. Because not everybody that attends a gathering of those who declare themselves to be Christians are necessarily those that are. And by the way, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the judge. I don't know people's hearts. But God does. And so the warning here is, first of all, if you are a believer... Make sure you don't drift away from that which really matters. Now, you might say, well, Pastor, am I going to lose my salvation? I, I don't really believe that if you're really saved, you're going to lose your salvation. I, but I do believe it's possible to drift. I've drifted at times. I need to get back on track. I need to pursue Jesus, be close to Him. Yeah. It's a warning to us all. But it's a very deep warning, too, to those who might be in the fellowship who have not really accepted the wonderful gift of salvation that Jesus has provided. And as you heard this morning, it's quite simple. <laughs> it can be very hard if you're talking about giving up your own way and dying to yourself and admitting that you're a sinner. But once you do, it's just as easy as saying yes. Believing that Jesus died for you. And that God has a place for you that you never even thought was possible. That you really are created a little lower than the angels. And that he really has a place for you to be in his family and be a part of those who will have all authority over everything. Wow. That's bigger than my understanding, but it's true, and we're told not to drift away from that which is true, that which God has declared. That's what we're reading and talking about today, that which God has prepared. Dear friends, someday we will realize our fully redeemed position. We will have authority over all things, and this world will be right. Oh, don't we look forward to that day. If you're a believer in Christ, if you trust in Him, we have that promise, 
And we walk by faith, not by sight. This world's a mess. We're still dealing with it. But we have hope, true hope, hope in Christ. Dear friend, I hope that's your hope today. If you've never come to know Christ as your Savior, you cannot escape without this salvation. God loves you. He speaks to your heart where you are right now. If you're not sure, make sure. Open your heart to him. Let's pray. God, you love us so much that you don't leave us in our sin. You convict us by your spirit. You bring your word to where we live, and we realize how frail and fallen we are without Jesus. Lord, as your followers today, we want to say, oh Lord, don't let me drift away. Don't let me get away from that which is the most important thing in my life for now and for eternity. And also, Lord, we say, we know that Jesus is the only Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that has not yet come to receive the great salvation that Jesus has paid for, that right now in this place or when they go home by their bedside or wherever they are, that they will say, Jesus, I realize I can't escape. I can't escape eternal punishment without you as my Savior. I'm sorry for my sins that caused you to die for me, but I thank you that you did. And I will follow you. I believe in you. You are my Savior. Lord, bless those prayers. Change lives today. By your Holy Spirit, I pray. prayed a prayer like that. Whenever, whether it's here or anywhere, I encourage you to tell someone. Tell a Christian friend. Tell me. Tell somebody in this church. Because we want to celebrate with you, but we also want to help you to grow in that new faith in Christ. God bless you. Go ahead and stand with us, please. This song is a great reminder of uh, through everything to keep our eyes on him. Uh, so go ahead and sing with us this morning.
thrown into the midst of the sea. Through it all. Through it all. Through it all. My eyes are on you. Through it all. Through it all. It is well. Through it all. Through it all. My eyes are on you. It is well. as well. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is Repeat that this morning. It is Praise the Lord. 
And it's so good to sing this song as we close. Our souls are well not because we're so good. <laughs> Our souls are well because he is. That Jesus has done what we can't do. Let's give him praise and glory in our lives day by day. Stay close to him. And uh, just an announcement before you go. Um, remember tonight at 5, if you're interested in uh, anything about going to Israel, back in this coming February, where Betty and I are taking a group uh, February 26th to March 9th. And um, you don't have to sign up tonight, okay? So don't feel like anybody's going to, it's not a sales pitch, but it's a great time to answer some questions if you might have some. And um, if you haven't signed up online, I need to know if you're coming. So you can either text me or tell me today because we need to have enough food, okay? We'll have some pizza and then we'll gather. So 5 o'clock tonight. So, uh, hey, God bless you all. Have a great week. All right. A lot going on. <laughs> hey, Mr. Elder. Did I handle the uh, sign gifts okay? Yeah. <laughs> Sound like our... Sound